You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. Oh, man. So this is, it was like four years ago or something. And I just, no, it had, it was five years ago. I just bought my first acrylic single read and we were heading out to the marsh. And so I had one acrylic and like three polycarbs on my lanyard, um, phone in my pocket, all the gear in the sled. We're just walking out and we get all, we get set up and everything. And I don't know, there was, it was just a slow day that day. Um, but we had a, some wood ducks come by. And I shot one, and we sailed it, I don't know, just 100 yards down, like, downwind. We we could see it was, like, dead and floating. So I went after it and just walked in, like, knew it was dead. So I was just taking my time. I get down there, and it, like, flows into kind of like a flooded timber um, style hole. So I'm just, like, kind of trekking through there and looking. And I ended up getting the duck, and, like, I, was, I, walk, I started walking back and just – kind of ducking under branches trying to get out of this timber hole and got back to my blind and I, I looked down and one of my calls is missing off my lanyard and just the is the acrylic call that I literally bought two weeks before I was like well like that sucked obviously <laughs> no but clue where you lost no it. clue I'm assuming uh, like I know it was back when I was chasing the wood duck or trying to find the wood duck and got the duck but lost the call so I guess it's kind no, of win-lose but no was it the whole call or was it just the no, insert it, it was everything no the, the yeah, whole it thing. was gone Everything. Was Barrel, insert, everything. Was it not on the lanyard? It it was, but I only had one drop on it, so I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was my drop was on my insert, so I don't know if my barrel came off and then the insert slid out or what. No idea. So but that's you, all you lost was just your call? Well, I thought. So we <laughs> finished the hunt and everything, and like the front pocket on your waders, that's where my phone was. Don't know why. But anyways, we get back to the truck, can't find my phone. So... It's it's gone. It's somewhere in the marsh with that duck call. That's an expensive probably at the hunt. bottom. It was an expensive hunt. Oh yeah, but I don't remember what we shot overall. But I know I got at least one wood duck. So. <laughs> did you yeah. Did you it's, get that wood duck on the wall? Well, no, no, no. How, <laughs> how old were you when that happened? Oh man, it, it was the first year I worked at Rogers. I don't know, seventeen. I did not have an acrylic duck call or a phone at 17. Yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Neither did I. Neither uh. did I. So for everybody listening today, you just heard a great story from uh, Gregory Mashburn. He's our call buyer here at Rogers. Um, uh, this is A.A. Ron. We've got Chandler with us. Yep, over here. And who's our guest today? we got uh, Bobby Hayes from uh, Ducklander here with us today. we got a bunch of acrylic calls here on the desk, and we're going to go over a lot of different things. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I like I like looking at calls. And Gregory, I know you do. That's all yeah, you talk yeah. about half the time. Yeah, you can definitely never have enough. And then playing with calls and running them, I mean, that's just hard to beat. That's one of those things that I know we talk about calls a lot. But after Waterfowl Weekend, you're like you added six more to your list. Yeah, it. Uh, well, like Waterfowl Weekend, I just play with, like with a lot at the call counter, showing them to customers and everything. And then I'm like, that's my list for the season. What I need. So <laughs> I added a couple. <laughs> I added exactly. a few. <laughs> When I was uh, when I was a teenager, uh, late teenager, like eighteen, nineteen, I used to go over to Mike Keller's house, big guy's best, and down in his basement he kept his supply of duck calls, and so he had all the acrylics and wood laid out on these like built-in bookcases, and I used to just love to look at all the calls, and still when I have calls in the shop, it I still just like looking 
And even to their mind. But I still just like looking at all the calls. I don't know. There's something about them. Oh, yeah. And that's what's cool about your shop, too, is you just have all the different calls on top. And there's a lot of calls and a lot of history in there. Yeah, some of it's stuff I used when I was a kid. Some of it's a few of those are from Mike. Okay. Uh, the first acrylic I got from him is up there. And then a couple are from relatives that have passed away. Gotcha. And some of them are just stuff I've done and never made it yeah. to production, <laughs> so they go up on the rack. I might think about it again later. Yeah. So that's awesome. That so is very cool. You're talking about calls from when you were a kid. How long ago or how long ago did you get started making calls or what kind of inspired that? Uh, I used to go to Mike's house. Mike's the one that uh, I, I shouldn't say he taught me how to blow a duck call. He taught me how to blow a duck call better. Uh, all my, my family, when I grew up, I uh, had most of them hunted, few of them duck hunted. And uh, they kill a duck and blow a duck call. But the first time I ever heard somebody that could really run a duck call was Mike. And uh, he used to teach guys how to comp call because he was a comp caller. And I would go over there, and uh, I didn't give a rat about the duck or the comp call. I just wanted to know how to blow a duck call better. So I used to go over there with an old Falks WA-33, and he would help me to make that duck call sound better. It used to just drive him nuts when I bring <laughs> that over. And I might have had a ivory butt gardener or something. But it was a couple years of going over there before I could afford one of his. So... But the, we, I started making calls in 04, and then I owned a construction company, and then in 08, when, uh, when the construction industry kind of crashed, I uh, kind of picked up on the duck call thing to eat. So that's, uh, that's what made it full-time for me. So a little bit of necessity and a little bit of fun. So full-time since 2008? Uh, yeah, roughly. I did a little bit of construction here and there, but mm-hmm. but yeah, for the most part, it's been the the main thing that's on the taxes. Put it that way. Sure. Yeah, and then I don't do any anything but calls now. But uh, no, um, so 2004 started making them. 2008 started really making them, and then then uh, here we are now. So I always said if I do another business, I wanted a fun one. So, because I did stucco, I had a stucco business, and stucco's terrible. No, that can't be fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it's terrible. So I said, if I'm going to do another, I'm going to do something I really like. And uh, so, duck hunting is my main thing in life, besides family. So, calls it is for sure. It's definitely hard to go wrong that way. Yeah, and I still love making them. Uh, I love. We do a lot of colors and and sh- and just different uh, custom options, and I love the colors and the the bands and the tips and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, and that's one thing that's changed so much, even from when I was a kid. I mean, you had you had like black calls, you had wood calls, and maybe a few colors, but I don't know, and you would know better than, than me, I guess, did they even offer that much acrylic rod at the time? You know, they might colors? have. I don't remember how many call. Like, the first time I seen acrylic calls besides Mike's house now that this, uh, was actually at Galleon's. There was a store in Kansas City, and I'd never seen acrylic duck calls really until, because they came out about the time Mike started selling stuff. So that's the first time, but I don't remember him having that many different colors. I remember there was a lot of clear, there was a lot of blue. Uh, I don't even know if they had black. They might have, but I just don't yeah. remember it. Yeah, uh, Mike used to sell a sunny side up with one he loved, which was white and yellow. Looked like an egg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and make but, you hungry in the blind. Yeah, right. Yeah. But... Uh, a call's got a function. I mean, that's its main purpose. But I find that if somebody really likes the way their their object looks, that they'll they have more confidence in it. 
So if they find something that's really appealing to the eye, uh, they'll use it more than if it works the same, but it's not as appealing. So Yeah, they'll almost force themselves to learn it, too. Mm-hmm. If they want to blow that call, yes. they're going to blow it, and they're yes. going to figure it out. It's, it's no different than a gun. If a guy, if his shotgun, if he thinks the gun looks really good, he will shoot that gun better than if one that doesn't because he won't have the confidence in mm-hmm. it. Or we were in my office earlier, and we were talking about the archery stuff, and that was my bow in the office, and I'm the exact same way. When I go to buy a bow, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I, I want one that shoots well, but it's also got to look good to me. It does. I, I, if I don't like the looks of a bow, I won't even pick it up because I know I won't shoot it well because I won't have confidence That's in it because I don't like the looks of it. Absolutely right. Form and function have to to merge to looks as well as performance. 100%. And that's one thing, like you said, duck, duck hunting and was one of your main things, and like your calls obviously look great, but more importantly, they sound, I mean, absolutely Yeah, like so that's so. the foremost, but everything is also designed around, does it look good, does it feel good? Uh, like you could have something that runs amazing. If it feels terrible on your lips, you'll never use it. Yeah. So every little mouthpiece and curve is a, is a design. Uh, even like if a guy picks up the end, uh, if he picks up the, my call on the insert, there's a, an orb, the orb is actually a grip ring. It's not just a decoration. Okay. Yeah. So it, one, it gives you hand placement cause you can wrap your fingers around that and you know where your hand's at on it. And two, it, it offers a little bit of something to grab when your hands are wet. So except about everything on them does something, whether it's the, just there for the looks or it's there for the feel. A lot of thought. Going yeah, into that, for uh, sure. it does. Well, we've been tweaking them for a long time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I first got a hold of one of your calls. I don't know. I mean, it was the original. It was one of the original Loud Timbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you were still calling it that back then, but probably 2011 or so. We had LTs, then the hand cuts came out yeah. later. It was yeah. it was before the the uh, hand cuts for sure. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot but of changes. The first thing we made was the DLC 300. Okay. And then this is where I. This is where I learned a lesson on looks. And it wasn't a bad-looking call, but it wasn't amazing. So then I made a little call, and I didn't name it. Customers started calling it short barrel, which drove me nuts because we it, there's, there's more than one of those. But anyway, it looked better. Had the same exact guts, same size, same everything just looked better. I sold 10 to 1 on those. Wow. So then you look at that and you go, well, there's definitely something to how, how these look because yeah. it's the same exact call other than that. And to this day, you'll still see, I still get old short barrels back in the mail for retunes for guys that use them. And that was from 04, 05. Oh, yeah. So, matter of fact, when I used to sit outside the store, I mean, that was the main thing I would sell out there with those little calls. But, yeah, I still have, because I would run a special batch for your guys' waterfowl weekend. Just, they were uh, maple and cocoa. And I still get those back in the mail from back then to retune. Yeah. That's funny. Like on your Ducklander Facebook page, I still see some of the DLC 300s oh, yeah. even on there, yeah. which is really, it's really cool just to like the history of them. Yeah. Those have actually become uh, f- a little sought after. Yeah. Even though I sure. didn't sell many of them when we started. So, <laughs> and then every once in a while we'll do a throwback run of them. Yeah. But. Gregory, I know you had a list of questions. Oh, I got a good list. <laughs> you got a good list <laughs> oh, of <yeah>. questions. <laughs> Leave it to the call buyer. That's Fire good. Away. So, yeah. Yes. Um, well, one of my, the first two really you answered is how, how'd you get started in the industry? But, and then, uh, when did you start Ducklander? Um, and then the next one kind of goes back into the, uh, the actual duck call is 
for the guys that are like new to, to duck calls or hunting and just may not know like the terminology of a call, what are kind of like the different parts that make okay. up like a, a call? You have two main parts to a duck call. You have the part that makes the noise. So that's got the reed in it. Uh, I'd call that the insert. And then you have the barrel. Insert fits into the barrel. There's a little bit of uh, different opinions on this as to what makes the noise. Uh-huh. Some guys wonder if the reed actually strikes the tone board to make the noise or if it's just the reed oscillating. I personally say it's both. Yeah. Uh, so what happens is when you put air into that call, that reed picks up and oscillates. And that's what makes it sound like a duck. It's, it's a wind instrument. So the cycle at which that reed moves is the sound. Uh, I say it has to touch the tone board because it's already touching the tone board. Yeah. So, and I know for me personally, because I blow a call a ton and we hunt a lot, <laughs> I will cut, I will wear an acrylic tone board down over about a two-year period of hunting. Wow. So usually I can get about two years out of my, but I blow a call a ton. So, yeah. you know, most people are never going to wear out uh, a tone board, but I will cut them so that have the shape of that reader. Like that calls, that was from last season. So you can start to see mm-hmm. the shape of that in there. Uh, yeah, I don't know a lot of people that run a call as much, much as you do. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, you, you will. So I'm pretty sure it strikes the tone board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so that is the gist of it. Um, there's a hole that comes out of the end of the insert. And that is it's going to determine two things for the most part. It's going to determine the volume of the call and the back pressure in the call. Now, that can the back pressure can vary with the tone board design. But for the most part, it's going to let it's going to let air out. So if it's big, it's going to let more air out. If it's small, it's going to let less air out. Gotcha. Um, I do a lot of instructional, and we teach a lot of guys to blow a duck call over the course of a year. Most guys, I'm sure, when they come into the store, because I get them in my shop with this, is they will go in and they will pick the quietest call they can find to learn to blow on. Well, the problem with that is. Not that quiet calls are bad. The problem with that is there's a lot of back pressure in that little, that little board call, and you uh-huh. have to be dead on with the, with the air presentation and the pressure in it. Gotcha. So for a guy learning, it's a lot to do right off the bat, where if you have a call that's more open, he's got a lot more leeway in there. So he can find encouragement a lot quicker that he's not just overblowing or doing anything wrong because it'll it'll allow him to get away with more yeah running in a lot of different ways yes really yeah because what most people think is a duck call works uh, up and a duck call or down and a duck call doesn't actually do that this loud call will get just as quiet as that small board call but that small board call will not go up as loud as that call so they don't they don't you're just going from one to the next to the next. It doesn't actually go lower. Okay. Because that's, it feels different. Yeah. But it doesn't actually go lower. So the larger the opening or bore, yeah. as you're calling it, is going to be a little bit more forgiving to that it's beginner or the, yeah, yeah. Than, than a tighter, smaller bore yeah. on the end of that insert. Uh, you can think of it this way if you had a little garden hose and you had to pick just the right amount of water to shoot through that hose to go six feet. Uh, or you had a bigger garden hose and you could pick a much bigger volume of water to try to get to the six feet because it's not under so much pressure. So that's the difference between the two. So, yeah, you definitely have to – the smaller bore requires more control, more it, finesse. It's more, a lot more control, okay. yes. So for the most part, 
anytime somebody wants to start on a, on a call to learn, uh, I recommend a single read and a loud call. Because you gotcha. can always learn you can always learn to quiet your calling down. It's a lot easier to learn to call hard and then back off. Makes so. sense. And that's one thing that you kind of, I've came into your shop a couple of times and that's one thing you really helped me out with. Um, it's just one, being able to run that top end and then work back down. Yes. That's, sure. the, that's the easiest way to do it because it's, it's just natural, uh, just naturally because you never, you never do this with anything but a duck call. And I've never played a musical instrument, so I don't know that, but in life, most of the time, like if you blow birthday candles out or you do anything, you blow from your cheeks forward on a duck call, you blow from your diaphragm forward. So it's way easier to learn to blow heavy air out out of your diaphragm than it is to blow fine air. So that's why the louder the call, the the more it helps. Gotcha. So that would be the the main working parts of a duck. Okay, makes sense. That's a yeah great explanation of that. Um, And another thing is like we have quite a few different calls here. What's kind of your general line of calls right now? I know you make a few different styles, but okay, I I could miscount this because we make a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I, I make eight duck calls, and I believe we make seven goose calls. Okay. And that counts a comp call, which uh, we only make on request. Yeah. And uh, the Drake whistle, which is a non-readed call. Yeah. Um, what I like to tell people – actually, I'll back up. Uh, most of the time when you see calls, it's very daunting to select a duck call yes. because this one's the best and this one's the best when you read the descriptions. Yes. So it's very daunting. So a couple of years ago, we started uh, we started cutting our reeds out on the laser. Okay. And when I started cutting the reeds on the laser, this was before I had a laser in the shop. My buddy who owns the laser store, the engraving business, said, "Hey, uh, why don't you just cut them to the length you need? Because the machine doesn't really care." So then we started with long, middle, and short. And then I said, "Well, that's silly. Why don't we just do them in increments? And that way we don't have to cut these at all with scissors." Uh, so then we started reed kits. So when you get a standard reed kit, there's eight different sizes in that kit. So you don't scissor cut our reeds to tune a duck hole. You just trade the reeds out. So then I, I got a laser at home, and I got a little more time to play with it, and I realized I could, uh, I could tweak the reeds even more at home. So then I realized if, if I engrave them in a certain way and the reeds run bow down, I can add more hole to a call. Okay. If the reeds run up, I can run with more rash. Gotcha. So, so what, what I'm getting at with this is the reason this is important. One is because you don't have scissor cut reeds. But two, over the last couple of years, I've eliminated a few t- different tone boards in the lineup. And I've gone to the two, now not counting the cut down because that's a different call. Yeah. But out of the seven models of calls, I've gone to the two tone boards that most people run the best. And the only thing that really varies is the size of the bores. So instead of thinking of what model call do I fits me the best uh as far as sounds like this sounds like this it's most back pressure to least back pressure least volume to most volume uh so what essentially is we have different read kits so you take the read kits to change the sound okay so that's 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 where it's evolved to so so out of our seven duck calls you're going to pick either least volume most back pressure most volume least back pressure and then if you want it more raspy, more hold in between, that's when you get into the reeds. So that's nice because then 
I mean, you have a lot of different calls, but then guys can also fine-tune it with the reads. Exactly. So there's so many different read options for every call. And then yes. You bow up, bow down, then you just double it right there also. Well, so. yeah, it's, it's an endless amount yeah. of tuning options. <laughs> Absolutely. The other issue that kind of came up, and this is a newer thing with social media, is there's a ton of resale that happens on the call trader sites. So every time somebody buys a call, and that person may say, hey, would you add a bunch of hold to this call for me? Well... If they end up getting rid of that call and another customer gets it, it's not actually what you make. Gotcha. So I didn't like the fact that if this guy gets a call and he loves it and then his buddy wants one, well, I really don't know what he has if I made it specifically for somebody in that way. But if they can get a stock call from me and then adjust it with the reads, then I always know what's out there. So... And Absolutely. the trader sites have become huge yes. over the last two or three years. It's ridiculous. And there's many. There's a lot of them. Oh, there's a pile. And all of them stay yeah. busy during season. They do. Yeah, I know you've, Gregory, you've talked to me several times about you yeah. eyeballing different calls that go back oh, and yeah. forth on those sites. Oh, it's so, crazy. Yeah. 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 Absolutely crazy. One of the things you were talking about just a minute ago is the reads. And in your read kit, it's got what, five? There's five different styles of reads. Okay. Can you just explain yeah. those a little bit? So please? the standard read... Uh, the standard read has a fairly large dog ear. And a dog ear is, uh, if you'd imagine a rectangle, and you would, uh, I don't know what the geometry shape would be for this. That, that's right. For yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. But if you basically cut the corners off of uh, a rectangle, that's your dog ear. So what that does is it adds rasp, but it also takes mylar away. So a, a dog-eared read is going to be easier to run than a read that's straight because you're moving less, less square inches of mylar. So you have a standard read, which has that much dog ear, and then we have a, an HD read, which is a heavier dog-eared read, and then we have dagger reads, which is more or less shaped like a, a knife, and then, uh, then we have gumdrop reads. I don't think, am I missing one? I don't think standard so. Standard HD, dagger, gumdrop. Yeah, there's a double read kit, but the double yeah, read yeah. kit's just the standard reads with the top read. Yeah. Uh, so what those do, uh, now this gets a little long-winded so bear with me yeah. so if you run the engraving up every read's got the is engraved with the size and my company logo on it so if you run the engraving up it'll have the most amount of rasp for that style of read if you run the engraving down which would be bow down it'll have the most hold for that style of read so what do you mean by hold 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 is the ability to hold a note okay so uh if you take a call and like if anybody's ever heard a comp call i'm not gonna ring it because we have the mics but when you hold that, that comp call, that hail, that's a hold in that range. So you can ring that call out. Like a, a cut down is not going to do that. It does no hold in that range. Uh, for most people, when they think of hold, they think of whine. So, so it's yeah. the ability to hold that little squeak in that, in that call. So when it's bowed down, it'll have more of that whine. Okay. It. It'll hold that note on the bottom. And that's for all the different reads. That's for all the different reads. Okay. Doesn't matter which one. So if you have a standard read, which is what they come tuned with, they come with a .9 standard read, and they all come bow down, because for the most part, people want the hold. Yeah. Uh, and some of that depends on how you run a call, too. But for the most part, uh, most people are going to want the read down. Uh, so a standard read, then the next read you'd go to is a heavy dog-eared read. So it's going to be raspier with the engraving up. It's going to be It'll have more hold than a standard read with the engraving down. Okay. Uh, but it's going to take less air because you're removing mylar because the dog ear is bigger. So if a guy likes a, a .9 in a standard with the engraving down, he's probably going to go up one or two steps 
for the the dog ear the heavier dog ear okay. down because he's you got to make up for the mylar difference. And then if you go down again, you have the dagger reed. And what the dagger reed's going to do is it's going to let you fall off your notes a little bit more. Okay. Uh, but keep the raspy sound that the first two have. So you don't go like flat if you really take yeah. some pressure off. Yep. Gotcha. And then it'll have even more hold if you run it upside down because we took away more mylar. And then the gumdrop reeds are made. So if you want to call it's just super, super light to run. Uh-huh. The gumdrop reeds are narrower, and they've got a smaller dog ear than everything. They're going to sound just like the standard reeds, but they just run with way less air. Gotcha. So they're great for kids. Yeah. Uh, they're great for anybody that just likes to just drop notes off. Uh, you, you'll essentially, when you break everything down, you'll have two different types of callers. You'll have a guy that hits a note all the way to the bottom, so he's going to end with a k- He's so just like hit, real sharp. Just real sharp. Yeah. And he usually likes the call that's raspy. Okay. And it's it's going to have a good end to it. Or you'll have a guy that likes to drop notes off. <laughs> and he'll like a call with more hold. Mm-hmm. So that's generally your two, your two different types of callers. Okay. Yeah. So they can, essentially, you can take the call and tune it with the read kits to whatever you like. And there's, uh, in a standard read kit, there's eight steps. So there's eight different reads in a read kit. They vary by about five thousandths of an inch. And that's, that's their thickness, right? No, it's the length. The length. The length, yeah. So essentially, there's about a, uh, a printer piece of paper in thickness from read to read to read, because that's about five thousandths thick. Uh, the gumdrops, there's, four, there's three sizes in gumdrops. Uh, there's just light, medium, and heavy. And then uh, the dagger reads, there's four sizes. Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of different options. There's a ton. <laughs> and then the HD reads have eight sizes as well. And uh, the other thing, if you look at the reads, I don't know if you can see this on there, there's a little tab on the very back end of it. So it makes a, basically what it is, is it's a spot that goes down inside the tone channel when you tune your call so that read can't slide around the back. And it also makes it so that read can't kick up. Because okay. I know everybody put a reed in is kink the back end of that reed. that into the yep. reed, yeah. So it keeps that reed from sliding up on you when you tune one. Awesome. And then, yeah, it sits perfect every time. If yeah. you take it out, clean it or yep. whatever, it sits yeah. perfect. I encourage everybody that gets a call to play with the reeds. Yeah. So uh, generally what I tell everybody to do is take a reed, uh, get a reed kit with a call. There's only 10 bucks, yeah. And uh, run them until you find the one that's too heavy and then go one down from there, and that's your read. The reason that's important is the heavier reads you can run in a duck hall, uh-huh. the more leverage you make. Now, just a quick question. How does somebody know if a reed's too heavy for them? If, they're, if they get a, a call go, in a kit? You'll go flat. You'll have a full sound of call, and then it'll be too heavy. You can't get the reed to oscillate right, so sure. it'll just not sound as good, or it'll just feel too heavy. Okay. So some of it's comfort, and some of it's the way it sounds. Uh, the longer you can get that reed to stick out, uh, to stick out over the end of that tone channel, the more leverage you make when you hit that reed with air. And why that's important is because when you get saliva in between the reed and the tone board, you, you create leverage to break that free. Okay. So there's two air channels that we put in every tone board, and they're not spit grooves. They have nothing to do with spit. Uh, if, you, if you look at them, it's hard to see on there, I'm sure. But the, the channels go right to the edges of the dog ears. And what that does is when that spit's got that reed pinned down, it just gives it a spot to get air to lift it. So the longer reed you can run, the more leverage you make. To, that's why if you've got a call without the, the air grooves in it, you may, you may have a guy that just it sticks like crazy on, 
and another guy gets it and he'll tune it for himself and then it'll run and break free, never have a problem with it, that guy probably runs the call heavier than the other guy does. So that read gets enough leverage to break loose. Yeah, so. that's very, yeah, very interesting, but Man, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I can't sure. even, I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not the best at math. <laughs> but when you say you've got five different reads and there's anywhere from four to eight thicknesses per style of read and you've got seven different calls. Oh, it's endless. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 somebody wants to crunch those numbers, you go right ahead yeah. and yeah. comment below when we post this podcast with That's how many options. And you can run them, you can run them front or back with yes. the logo up or logo so, down. So, so basically, in an, in an eight read kit, you have 16 options yeah. to, to tune that call. And then you've got five different read and then, kits. Yeah. And then five different kits. And, and just seven different that calls. Call yeah. yeah. And every board. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So there's a lot of options. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, you can find something. Do you that stock fits all you. those here for us, Greg? Yeah, and yes. at my house, I have cool. a lot for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I found on these read kits that uh, they've made me a better caller because I've bought a call before in the past, and that was what I knew how to blow, and it might have been tuned light. And then I picked up a Ducklander, and at, the, at first I wasn't able to run it like I wanted it to. So, and then I, I found a read that I could run well. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, I went up a read because I was over running that read. And then yep. I went up and then I went up and then I maxed out. And then I was at the longest read yep. that was in that kit. So I was able, if I didn't have that ability, I would have been stuck at this, whatever this call was. I forgot what it was at the time. It was probably some, you know, some basic read cut. And I was, that was it. I couldn't blow anything else until I got the ability on the duck lander. I could change out reads. And throughout a duck season, I graduated and kept going up and kept going up and I was getting better notes and louder notes, more rich. And I was, you know, it just made me a better caller just being able to change those things out. Well, yeah, especially if you've got a read kit and yeah, like you said, as you graduate or as you become a better caller, that it, that kit will allow you to grow with that call or that call to grow with you or. Yeah. And the other thing that's, it's, if you like a particular size style, when, if you go through the read and you get another one, it's the exact same read as you had before. Like, there's no, I have to find the read again with a pair of scissors. No. It's the exact thing you had. Yeah, that's Because all the lasers and stuff, it's, there's no hand no. human touching that. Not, not at all. Read, yeah. Yep. Nope. And I, that's nice because I, too, like, throughout the season, I found, like, I'm finally getting my duck calling lungs back and all the pressure. And I start oh, to, yeah. to learn that. And I just occasionally I'll just jump up one, one size yep. and then another size. And sometimes I could be two or three sizes like I tune, I tune calls about every day, but tuning a duck call and blowing a duck call to duck are way <laughs> yeah. different from each other. Because so I'll I'll lose a ton of air over the summer. Because you know when you tune a duck call, you're really making two or three notes and a fee, and then yeah, away. Because if it does, you don't a few run things, your routine on no. Yeah. Gosh, if it does a few things, it does everything. Yeah. So yeah, you'll go through, you do it every day, and you get into the repetition of making just those sounds. But then so when duck season starts, I'll have a shorter read in, and then about two three weeks into it, I'll go up two or three read sizes. Because like you said, I finally got my lungs back. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a big difference between blowing at a bunch of ducks for two minutes or tuning 50 calls on the bench. Yes. Yeah. It's one is sprinting and one is long <laughs> yeah. distance running. Yeah. Yeah. There's and plus, you know, we hunt a ton of layout lines. Uh-huh. So don't me, you know, if it's really cold, I may go down a read or two. Okay. If I'm on my back and it's zero out. Because... I don't know about you guys, but I'll run out of air, laying <laughs> yes. flat on my back, especially if it's a terrible position we're in. Yes. yes. Looking over your shoulder, oh, looking yeah. at the verge or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the most of the time, if, once you go to uh, the, the, the pre-cut reads, it's pretty hard to go back to, yeah. to trimming. 
Absolutely. Just makes it so easy. It does. For sure. Yeah. Uh, now, from two years ago, because the biggest complaint we had is you couldn't tune them stiff enough. So, uh, not this year. Last year, I actually widened the reed kits out by five thousandths. Okay. So, if you used to like a one three, the new ones, most guys are down about two numbers. So okay. hardly anybody runs them all the way up to the end anymore. Yeah. Because they're a little bit heavier to run. So makes sense for yeah. sure. And some of that too is it's hard to gauge because like I blow a call fairly heavy, but the problem is if like if I put a call in the store and the call's tuned heavy, well if a guy's not very good on a call, he picks it up and it's too heavy, it immediately gets put down. Because he just can't make any sound. And he it. might not be familiar with the rolled reed kit right. and just get scared away. But yeah, if it's heavy and it won't just make a nice sound immediately yeah. and it feels too hard to run, he's going to put it down. But if it's tuned light, it's somewhat of an encouragement yeah. that this doesn't take much to do. Because most time, if a guy's new to calling, he's going to pick it up and kind of quack and kind of do some kind of a feed. Uh-huh. And if he can't roll a feed out of it easy, whatever his definition of that is, he's just going to put it back down. Yeah. Uh, and then if a good caller picks up a light call, they usually notice that it's light, and they'll find the spot in it and run it and just say, well, it just needs a little more read. Yeah. So for the most part, everything goes out tuned one up from the lightest. But so like I said, I have to – some of it I just need feedback from customers too when I do something. Is this heavy to you or is this light to the most people? Because it's hard to say. Yeah, and I yeah. know standing at the counter, a lot of guys do like that point nine, especially with it turned upside down. It yep. really gives them a lot of variety which is, how they like to run it. Which is very light. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you can really – you can play with it and find your spot, too, yep. um, if you've been doing it for a while. But like you said, if if someone's just picking it up, it makes it um, fit them a lot better. Yeah. And generally, when a guy's learning, they're going to go from a light read – and then, because blowing a duck call is basically, it's, it's, the more you blow it, it's just like running. The more air you're going to accumulate in your lungs, get your muscles used to doing it. So you can just gradually step up the reeds as you go on. Because, I mean, for most guys, the idea of cutting the reeds is just very daunting. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's, and you it's, never get it the same. No, it's very intimidating. Trying to you get, you get it straight. Is it too short? Is it too long? And when I used to do it over the phone, I'd tell somebody, just, just take a sliver off. The idea of a, Small cut to me and a small cut to them could be vastly different. Yeah, That's yeah. one thing that I remember is when I was a little kid, duck hunting with my grandfather, he would have calls, and he'd, he'd hunt with it for a, a few hunts, and he'd be like, I'm going to tweak it a little bit. And I remember he'd go down to the basement, and I'd hear him blowing on it, and he'd start trimming on it. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, that call sounded terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, I was just trimming a little bit. i got to get some different reads now. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh. I used to get what, – what we would do frequently is you'd send a call out. And like I said, you, you're, you're always trying to guess what somebody's going to like. Uh, it's so much easier when you're in person with them. Yeah. But so whenever you're shipping them, you're always trying to guess what they're going to like. So you'd send it out, and then – inevitably you get a, a phone call say hey you mind if i send this back in because i tried trimming it a little bit to fit me and it's it's just not working out at all and so basically they just knocked enough read off of it that there's no chance yeah yeah and my my problem with i would always like just because i'm kind of a, like a nerd with this stuff i just like playing with it and see kind of, i can get it kind yeah. of a nerd. well that's how you <laughs> learn yeah and uh I mean, when I first started trimming reeds, my reeds would be so crooked. Yeah. And then my dog ears, one would like barely be cut, another one would be halfway down the Some reed. Some of them sound and, amazing I mean, though yeah. when you get them like that. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else is going to have it. Right. So. 
but the hard part is repeating. Yes, yes. absolutely. So, hit him but, with another question, Greg. Um, another one. So, like, I know you do, like your loud or your hand cut, and mm-hmm. then a couple of your calls don't or aren't hand cut. What What is that? What is a hand cut? Okay, uh, the hand cut is. A long time ago, we made just the LT. There was no hand cut. LT, uh, loud timber. Loud timber, yeah. Uh, we're, we're pretty basic on call names. Uh, just loud timber. And uh, so I made that, and I had uh, a friend ran that on a comp stage, uh, a fairly large one, and he got second to somebody that year. And that other call had just a little more depth in it. It was gotcha. just a little raspier. So then uh, I started taking them and sanding those tone boards down to add that to it, and I opened the bore up on it a little bit okay. more. So those became the hand-cut versions of the LT. Okay. So then that call became predominantly the one we would sell on the LT models because I had both. And so uh, we, I still sand every one of the LT hand-cuts to give it the sound. Uh, not much, though. It's a very controlled sand, uh, so they're all the same. But so the LTs just kind of went away, the standards, and now we have the LT hand cuts. The, the con artist hand cut came about because that LT hand cut's a really small call. Uh-huh. Uh, the barrel on that is 2.33 inches long. Okay. Not don't give away all your tricks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a 2.33-inch barrel, which is really small for a duck call. Most duck calls are going to average like three inches okay. on a barrel, around in there. So it's really small. So uh, not everybody can run that length of a barrel comfortably and it could just it could be your skill set it could be how you're built inside uh so but a lot of guys wanted it so what i found is if i take the hand cut insert and i stick it in the bigger conner's barrel they could run the crud out of it so, so same insert just same ex- different it's, barrels. yeah there's nothing different about them okay yeah and i tell you what's what i get a kick out of because you'll look at the two and i mean there's there's some difference but yeah. it's not a ton no but you know when we do a show like we do your show yeah and you'll have a guy run that and you can tell you he's close but he's not quite there on the sound and you'll i, I do it in front of him just because so they get the idea but i'll take the insert out of this one and i'll put the insert in the bigger barrel and I'll okay say, I'll try that and they'll run it a hundred times they're like they can't make that difference i'm like yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So it just depends on what fits you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's that's basically what that is. Okay. Yeah. And then that's the only two models that uh, that are hand cut. And th- which just offers that little bit more rash. Just a little bit more. wanting in that yep. open bore call. Yep. Okay. That's exactly what it is. So in the whole lineup, you have QTs, which is a quiet timber. Uh-huh. So a complete opposite of the LT. Okay. Uh, and that's a little quarter board call. They, they have a very similar tone board. Uh-huh. Uh, so it has the least volume and the most back pressure. And then you have a, we, we sell a troublemaker, but not much anymore. Yeah. You guys don't care to store it just for guys. It's one we made a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. That was still, one of your original ones. It was. Wasn't it? I do remember. Yeah. They're seeing uh, those still. Yeah. But so just technically, so when they get on the site, they go, well, you yes. made another one in between there. But uh-huh. so, so then you have a center and a center is a mid range call with, uh, it'll have basically Used to have more hold than all the other ones, but then once we got into the reed kits, you can add the hold or take the hold away as you want. So From every call. From every yeah. call. So it has the same amount of hold, same amount of rasp as, as the other calls line up depending on the reed. So it has mid-volume and mid-range. And then you have Con Artist, which has a little bit more open bore, so it's got a little more volume and a little, little, more, little less back pressure okay. than a center. And then you have LT Handcut, 
which is the most open and the, the least amount of back pressure. And then you have gotcha. a Connors tank cut. They're the same thing, though. So it just okay. depends on barrel size yeah. on those two. And then you have the cut down, but that's a different. Yeah, sure. That's a different, different breed. We'll yeah, talk about different that here yeah. in a second. <laughs> but that, the cut down would be the least back pressure, the most volume now but it's a yeah. completely different oh yeah run i mean doesn't yeah. run anything like it but it still yeah. runs like ducky yeah so, ducky <laughs> so but yeah so that would be i don't remember what we were just talking about there but that was where i went well, that's oh. all right <laughs> yeah so it, looking at your line of calls if somebody's on our website and they're looking at them the loud timber is going to be something more for that beginner and no they, connor's hand cut connor's hand yes cut. the longer the barrel okay so you have a time frame from when you put air into the barrel to when it makes the reed make noise. Mm-hmm. The shorter the barrel gets, the less error there can be. You got to have more control. You got to have more control, but it's quicker. So if a guy has the control, he can do more stuff with that for the most part. Now, you still may have a guy that can run, just run the crud out of a call, runs a bigger barrel better because mm-hmm. he likes the way it feels more than it's his ability. Sure. But yeah, so generally when everybody just says, I'm new to calling and I want to start out with a call, what do I get? A Connor's hand cut, 100%. That's the one I recommend to everyone. Yeah, and when, if, you, if listeners at home or something looking at their, their duck call, if you look down the barrel, down the top, and you see where that reed starts, a, a loud timber hand cut. Joe, uh, yeah. It's, it's, you're right there. Like when I blow that call, that's my call I blow. You know, my, a lot of times my tongue, I can just place it right on the reed. It is so close into that yes. barrel. I mean, yeah. it is right there. So you have to have um, a great amount of, uh, I guess, control because your your air is hitting that reed really quick and you don't have a lot of time and um, maybe not a little bit more, less uh, less room for air on that when that reed's so close to where your, your lip's right there. It's right at the top. Yes. Uh, kind of how I could relate this in a different sports fashion. So if anybody plays golf, if you've got a guy that's not as good, he's going to want a like a cast cavity back. There's a lot mm-hmm. of room for error on that club head. If he's better, he's going to play a forged club, smaller club head. Yeah, blades. Yeah. Blades, yeah, harder to hit. But uh, one will do things the other just won't do mm-hmm. if you can use it. And once you get used to one, it's really hard to go back to the one that offers more help because you get used to – I don't know, bows are bows like that? Do bows get the, smaller uh, and more precise well, but easier that, to mess up with? Yeah, uh, basically it comes to basically that's going to be not necessarily, I'd say brace height would yeah, be the thing. Yeah, brace height would be the big thing. You know, the longer the brace height, the little bit more forgiving that bow is going to be, right. a little bit more axle to axle, a little bit more forgiving. The smaller you get that bow, the shorter you get that brace height, yes. Um, especially the brace height, but yeah. So, I mean, that, that's just good to know. I mean, we got a lot of, of listeners that, yes, they are very seasoned hunters, but there's a lot of people out there, and I wish there was more, that this, you know, duck hunting needs to continue yes. to grow. Yes, it does. Um, it's it's starting to get more terribly. popular, but it needs to, to grow more. So we definitely want to make sure that we portray any information to a lot of people who are who are beginners, because I know there's not necessarily hunting, but there's a lot of things I've done where I, I was a little intimidated to ask questions about anything in life. Oh. So, you know, the more information we can get to those. So I appreciate, you know, just. Yeah, absolutely. And like I run personally, like I've grown to run a shorter barrel better. And I don't know if it's because my skills or maybe if that's just because that's what I've been running the past two years. Um, but like going back to golf, I might as well stand facing the hole because I'm going to hook it far enough. It's going to go whatever direction it, it flies. But yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll uh, stick to I'll stick to trying to duck call. <laughs> yeah, I I like to tell uh, most people when they're thinking about their duck call, unless they're just brand new and they say, hey, "What do I get? What do I start on?" Uh-huh. So if it's a guy that has a he calls fairly well and he wants to choose a call, think about it from how loud do I want the call, 
and how much back pressure do I want to run in the call? So if a guy likes to, like I said, if he likes to end his notes abruptly, he's going to like a call with less back pressure because it's not going to fight what he's trying to do. If a guy likes to let the notes fall off, he's going to like a call with more back pressure because it's going to help what he's going to do. Uh, so, so that's the two biggest things. Is do I want a quiet call? Do I want a loud call? Do I want a mid-range call? And then how do I like to end my notes? Do I end them hard or do I end them soft? So that, that should narrow down to two or three models one way or the other on on the calls. Yeah, that's a lot of different variety. And I run, like for quacks, I run a 1.0 facing down most of the time with the logo down. So like on my quacks, I like it like a real sharp. But sometimes, like I can run my quacks like a 1.2 or, or whatever, but I always step down and read because sometimes on my wines, I, I let my notes fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's sounds good to the duck but it sounds good to me <laughs> right. so that's just like i really play with that re just the way like i run all my notes and some of them are i mean it's definitely different for each and every note but typically what'll happen is if you get a guy that likes to drop his notes and he's got something that doesn't fit or he needs to work on his mechanics a little bit he'll just go flat yeah. is what'll happen so there's no reason to to fight something you might as well get something that leans itself into the, how you do it because it's hard enough to run a duck hall. It's not easy. Uh, no. It's really not. That's uh, one of the most frustrating things I've ever done trying to learn. Yeah, running a duck call well is not easy. So you might as well get it to where you're not fighting the call itself. You might as well get something that lends itself to what you're actually trying to accomplish. Uh I know you guys, we don't sell a ton of double reads. You guys sell some of them in double reads that, that are exclusive to Rogers. Yeah. Um, so, well, I figure since probably reason my list. This is what I usually tell guys. If you're going to pick up a call at duck season and you're going to put it down when duck season is done, and that's your, all your involvement with your duck call at year, a double read is great. If you want to really learn how to run a duck call, I would recommend a single read. And the reason for that is when you lay the, read, the top read on the bottom read and make a double read, you're governing what the bottom read does. So it's hard to tell exactly what you're doing on it when you're learning because you're stopping it from making bad notes. Uh, you really, I mean, the, the fact of it is, is if you make a bad note, you make a bad note whether it's got one reads or three. Yes. <laughs> so your mechanics are your mechanics. Uh, so what it does do is it helps it so you don't blow over that duck hole because it stops this read from doing crazy things. So, but generally a guy can, if he sounds okay uh, on a double read, he generally can pick up a single read that's a loud single read and sound just as good because it's got, like we talked about at the beginning, the read can move more and still make a decent sound. But if he picks up a quiet call, it's a single read, he probably is not going to run it very well. That's where generally... Just because they're so different. Just because there's... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, doubles are okay. If a guy really wants to learn, I highly recommend a single uh kids 100 percent single reads they have no idea they have no bad habits Mm -hmm. so they don't know the difference you can give a kid a single read duck call and a little bit of instruction and he'll blow the crud out of it in two weeks if you let him just or her have it yeah yeah because they don't know what it's supposed to do and the parents will really appreciate that too yes (laughs) the louder the better yeah exactly to practice their nail oh i tell you what you know we've been doing i've been doing this for a while and we used to go to shows there'd be a few kids that could run a call halfway decent Uh uh-huh and then Oh man, you go to shows now, like your guys' show. There'll be a dozen kids that can pick up and just run the crud out of a call. Oh yeah, just like that. Uh, you can. I can have a kid come over for calling lessons, and he's watched a little bit of YouTube stuff, and 
and done some stuff, and you give them just a little bit of instruction, and they're amazing at how quick they will learn a duck call. I wish I would have started like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I started a little late, and it was, yeah. Well, (laughs) when I was a kid, I mean, you had family, or you had to know somebody. Uh So, like I said, I was happy as heck when I found Mike when I was, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd never heard anybody roll a feed till Mike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. So. I remember trying to learn how to feed, and, like, you watch the guys on YouTube and on the stage at our show, and, I mean, it's just, it's incredible what they can do. And I was, <laughs> I'd, like, get, like, tick a tick and just, yep. like, pause. Like, I couldn't, my tongue just wouldn't do anything. So I just walked around, no call, no nothing, just tick a tick a yep. tick a tick a And that, like, you don't necessarily say that, but just, like, the motion, the motion and it was just it. muscle memory for me. Yeah. The hardest thing to learn on a duck call is the difference between pressure and air. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's really hard to learn until somebody, some guys will just naturally figure that out. But for the okay. most part, somebody has told a guy the difference between what pressure and what air is because they're two completely different things. What, what's your best analogy for that? I mean, you got to have one of the good ones because you have to deal with this all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay, so pressure. Pressure is what puts the rasp in a duck call. Air is the amount of volume that the duck call runs at. So pressure is if you would take, this is how I I get most people to to feel pressure. If you take your hand and you put it over your mouth so no air can come out and you blow as hard as you can, your diaphragm right here will flex against your lungs. You've now made pressure. So if you'd imagine if your hand had a little pressure gauge on it and you blew on it, the needle would rise, but no air would come out. So that is pressure. Now the amount of air you put out so you have a certain amount of air inside of your lungs that's how many notes you can make on that duck call the pressure though is the amount of pressure you're putting the air out in so you make a psi but you could let a little bit of the air at a time or you could let all the air out at once so that's the difference so it, it is it's a hard thing to to feel and figure out but so your pressure is what makes a call actually sound full so if you blow from your mouth forward so don't use any pressure in your lungs. It's going to sound kazooey. Yeah. So it's going <laughs> to... There's no pressure on it. Yeah. So if I do the same <laughs> amount of air, but I pressurize things, that's what makes the call sound full. So uh, another way to think about that is if you cough <coughs> like that, you'll feel your diaphragm flex because that's your body trying to get what's in your lungs out of your lungs. That's pressure. You've now pushed against your lungs and made pressure so when you blow a duck call it is the same it's not coughing but it's the same muscles okay that activate a cough it's just that's what activates pressure so that's where the back pressure comes into play on a duck call so you have a certain amount of pressure you can apply to the reed uh if the call has a lot of back pressure it's going to fight your pressure coming out if a call has very little back pressure it's going to let your pressure out faster so Excuse me, I tickled myself when I coughed there. Well, you're learning your pressure. <laughs> yeah. <so>. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so how a person lets pressure out sometimes determines on whether they like the call to have a lot of back pressure or a little bit of back pressure. Um, but now, and don't get that confused with air. Because you can take, a, this is what most guys end up doing until they get pressure figured out, is they'll pick up a duck call and they blow it really hard and they go right over the top of that duck call. And I will guarantee there's no duck calls in your guys' case that you can blow over readily easily if the pressure's right. Uh, you blow over the call because you made really fine air come out really hard. 
So, so if you I run the same air, but maybe back off the pressure. Is that no? Like what I'm saying or? is, if if you tighten up and you get your esophagus small, uh huh, and you get your mouth cavity really small, and you blow really hard and do the call, it's not necessarily that the call can't handle the air. Yeah, it's that you're not putting pressure on the reed. Okay, because the pressure is what makes the reed take the stroke. Gotcha. The the air doesn't necessarily. That's just the volume. So it's the it's the number of strokes it's going to take. Okay. Uh, so, and a good example. So if I blow a certain amount of air, I can make it raspy. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I blow finer air, so basically my throat's constricted, you can do the same thing with your mouth. I recommend you do it with your throat because you can control it better. So I can make it. <laughs> so that's pinching off. Okay. So if I would blow that blow like that, but I blow hard, <laughs> it's just going to go right over the call. But if I open... If everything's open and I put pressure on it. So just real raspy, real dunky. Yeah, like. because then you're putting. So like I said, a lot of times if, if you have a hard time finding a call because everything you blow goes over, you probably need to relax and put pressure on it. It's, it's not necessarily the amount of air coming out. It's the pressure. Okay. So the pressure is a hard thing to figure out. Once you figure it out, though, your calling will exponentially get better. And then, for the most part, if a guy's got good pressure, like, he'd go through your call case, he could blow everything. It's just whatever feels good. Sounds good to his ear or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that, yeah. Yeah, whatever that is in your head that makes it say that's the (laughs) one. Yeah. So, but yeah, so another way to think about it is uh, if, uh, when you blow birthday candles out, you're going to take a big breath, and you're going to blow basically from the back of your throat forward, because you're going to try to blow the air out as hard as you can, like as far as you can, where a duck calls the opposite. A duck call, all the air is coming out of the very back of your throat, and it's going to end at the end of your mouth. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, a, that's the old analogy, like fog and glass. It's, it's kind of like fog and glass, but it's more, like I said, more it's you're taking all the air in your lungs and you're blowing it out the top of your esophagus to your teeth. That's pressure. So, so yeah, great, great question and, and great explanation for that one. But, yeah, no, really we, helps we do guys. that weekly yeah. with people. <laughs> Yeah, we all I see you on Facebook all the time, like going live and giving it's just, a lot of it's pressure and air. Really, at ninety five percent of the people we help, it's pressure and air. Yeah, figuring out the difference. Yeah. Which is one thing that people listening to, um, you can really appreciate is how active you are on social media. So oh. whether it's Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, you're always open to questions and you're always oh. answering questions and you've got a lot of information out there that people can use for a resource. Yeah, they, they can send me a video and I send them back a video on what they were. Yeah. Generally, somebody will send me a video and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And then what I'll do is I find the best way to get them to... Uh, to figure it out is I will show them how they're making the, the note that's wrong. So if a guy sends me a video where he's getting too high pitched, I say, well, this is how you get high pitched. And I repeat the note. And then I say, now, if you open up or learn your pressure or whatever, then I do the note properly. So that way they can hear what they did, how I made the note, copy their, their poor note, and then how to make it better. But yeah, that, that we do a ton of. Yeah, yeah. just a lot of, a lot yeah. of teaching, but it and helps if, a ton of guys. And if I've missed you, just shoot me another message, because sometimes <laughs> we get a pile of them. So I try to get to My wife helps me a ton with all that, too. About, about 50% of the time, most of these guys don't know if they're talking to my wife, maybe 60%. Because <laughs> she, knows, she knows about what I would say. Cause she, does, she does the business with me full-time. So she knows about what I would say to most everything. So a lot of times, she'll just fire back, you need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's great help, though, for yeah, you. Yeah, it is. 
Absolutely. And then we had a lot of staff guys that helped too. Yeah. So. Um, a couple kind of just short questions here. So you offer your calls um, in acrylic and also in wood. So just kind of a brief description. Is there a big sound difference between those two? Uh, a little bit. Uh, the biggest advantage with acrylic, uh, my analogy to this is a uh, difference between like a shotgun. Wood shotgun needs a little bit of maintenance. Uh-huh. Uh, you obviously, if you dunk your wood shotgun in the water, you got to do something with it when you're done. My M2 that's black, if I dunk it in the water, I just shake it out and we go again. Not a big deal. So acrylic and wood, that's about the difference. Like okay. If you have a wood call and you blow it a lot, probably going to get stuck together because it's wood. If you just yeah. give it a little bit, it'll unswell and apart it'll come. Where acrylic won't do that. So it's the same no matter what. Gotcha. What about the sound output and stuff uh, like that? The wood's going to be a little bit more mellow. Some people think it sounds duckier. Some people don't. Yeah. Uh, I I I like acrylic because I hunt a lot, so I don't have to maintenance it. I mean, that's my biggest thing with it. Uh, you've got a clear coat on acrylic. Uh, I'd like to tell you it's going to stay on there forever, but probably <laughs> is not. Um, I you hope it's not because then it's getting hunted, right? Je- well, yeah. like I said, I use the best clear coat I can find, but I always tell guys it's about like your truck. If you hung your truck door on your neck and banged on everything, would you expect the paint to stay <laughs> yes. on it? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> so, But we warranty things forever. Okay. So, yeah, uh, you can send them in, and I redo them. And that, that's different than lifetime, right? Forever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> lifetime, there's a limit. Yeah. <laughs> well, we warranty them for as long as I'm breathing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but well, I think a lot of guys can appreciate that for sure. Uh, the biggest difference between wood, so uh, whether I turn these by hand or I I have them run off the CNC because I do both. Uh, everything that's a critical part to it. Even in my shop when I do it by hand, still run on a either a metal lathe or a mill or something that makes it exact. Uh-huh. Uh huh. On acrylic calls, they're the same from one to five hundred. Doesn't matter because I hold tolerance is extremely tight. Now, okay. a wood call. When I mill a wood call tone board, it's going to have its own particular life. Uh, you'll never get two wood calls that are the same just because as soon as you mill it and you expose that piece of wood to air, it's going to change just a little. So, uh, like I'd encourage anybody, like if they come up to the store and they want a, they want a wood QT, uh-huh. ask if you got, how many you got in the store and run Try the them. three, find the one you like. Cause they're all going to be just now the acrylic ones, you can just grab an acrylic call and go. If it's, Absolutely. It sounds like an LT is going to sound like an LT. Yeah. Uh, you have a hitch variance in mylar because the mylar is made in, uh, sh- in layers. So you can have one little reed that might sound just a hair different than another, but it's usually so okay. close. Most people can't tell. But the wood can be, I mean, they're going to be close, but they're all going to be a hair, yeah. a hair different because it is nature. Yeah. 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 It's hard to control that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that actually kind of leads us right into the next question is just like waterfowlers are obviously hard on like everything really. Yep. Um, so what kind of maintenance does come with calls or uh, it- whether it's wood or acrylic? This is what I recommend for one uh, cork, the newer, the better. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can always call me up and get cork. You guys sell reed and cork packs. Yeah. Um, at least once a year. It's it's ten bucks to get a reed kit, so you got extra reeds on hand, and uh-huh. you get. I think I got two strips of cork in them. Yeah. So I mean, that should last the guy like four inches of cork, or like yeah. a good amount. Yeah, know? it's a good amount of cork, so it should well last you a year if you practice a little bit in the truck. Um, what I always tell guys to do is real simple: take the reed and the cork out. Take some Dawn, you know, in a bowl or in your sink, just a little bit of Dawn, the dishwater, scrub them with a 
run with your finger, just get the, if you chew, get the spit off of them. If you drink coffee, get the coffee on them, whatever yeah. you get in there. Sand. Uh, mine will be packed with sand by the end of the year. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, just throw them straight in the water. Let them sit for a minute. Rinse them off and then dry them and put them back together. You can do the same thing with a wood call. It hurt it a okay. bit. Okay. Yeah. Now, don't don't like dunk a wood call in the water, not separate, and then pull it out and let it sit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, take it apart. You aren't rinse getting that one apart if you do. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that's that's really the only maintenance you got okay. to do to them. And I didn't know, like, I don't know if it's just because I've always done it, but I'll occasionally put, like, a little bit of, like, chapstick on, oh. my, on my O-ring yeah, or whatever. Yeah, won't hurt anything. Yeah. I don't know if it did or not, but no, makes uh, it smell good anyways. Chapstick's <laughs> fine if you want to be super correct about it because the chapstick will break the O-ring down a little because oh, okay. it's petroleum. Yeah. Uh, you can go up to Ace Hardware or Home Depot, and they sell a little tube of silicone grease. Uh-huh. Now, there's two tubes. Uh-huh. Get the one that doesn't stink. Perfect. Uh, one smells like grease. One has no odor. It's just Teflon <laughs> grease. But what it is is they oil the, the O-rings in your faucets with them. Oh, or they okay. grease them. So it doesn't break down the O-rings on it. But in my gut, one tube would last somebody forever. I mean, it's two ounces of it, and you need a smidge to keep yeah. an O-ring. Yeah. yeah, just put it on there, twist the barrel, and it's good to go. Yeah. So, but chapstick really works just as yeah. good. Because if you get if you get hurting for an O ring on one of my calls, you can just yeah. message me and I'll send you an O ring out. So perfect. Um, and then one other thing, it's kind of something everybody has a different opinion for every call. And like, obviously, if you get a call in a different color, it's going to change the way the ducks work to that call. <laughs> I'm an ivory guy myself. Right. I can run. I'll bring in more birds if I have an ivory call. So um, that's a confidence a, thing. Yes. Yep, that is a hundred percent. So and I, I know, know you get a lot of those. Just so you listeners know, he he didn't say it, but his call lanyard is is orange and black, and every call on there is ivory and orange. <laughs> every yes. call. Well, that's every, only that lanyard though. Yeah, My other every lanyard call matches those calls. <laughs> so if you ever see Gregory at the store, you can make fun of him for that. Yeah, because yes. everything I, I matches to a T. Like, that's funny. Is. Yes. Now I don't know why my it is, stuff's but... a little different. Uh, this actually has see that UT mm-hmm. that was a misengraved insert. That's why I have it. I I don't have anything that's an actual. Uh, it's all something I've messed up. Hodgepodge of just yeah, parts. It is. That's that's I I haven't had an actual. So you never sat down and just made like the best perfect looking call you ever thought you could make. Uh, this this call literally. I always keep one extra call with me when I hunt. Just in case I lose it for some reason. Never lost one, just in case. Or somebody oh, if else. If you had yeah, some of my luck, you would. Yeah. So <laughs> this tone board, legitimately, I had it misengraved with UT. I don't know what I was trying to grave on. I think it was a name for somebody. Uh, but I threw it in the bag. And the, the last one I had, I think I ran it for three years, and I cut the board on that so bad. It just, I couldn't run it anymore. So this one came out of the bag, and it's, it's like it's on its second or third year now. So that's, that's my a call. runner. Yeah, yeah, that's my call. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, in my defense, I am throwing a different colored call on my <laughs> lanyard this year for anyone listening. <laughs> so I it's going to have it well, what, three, crazy. three ivory and orange calls, and then well, one. Depends. I think yeah, a, it's think, probably pretty close. I think to there's that. like five. <laughs> I'm actually more like a 10 to 12 type. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No. Just a couple calls on my lanyard. Yeah. See, we hunt, Generally match. We hunt now. where there's a lot of specs and a lot of lessers. So I've got one duck call because that's all I bring. And then I got a spec, lesser, big goose, and then a whistle. It's, I hate yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd rather have one duck call. You're just clanking around. I'm adding yeah. more because I usually have two duck calls, a honker. I'm adding a spec, and I'm adding a whistle. So I might be at five. 
Yeah. But five, I might just keep some of my yeah, bag. I don't five know. is a lot. Five is a lot. Five is a lot. I grew up in Missouri, and really, you just need one duck call. Yeah. Yeah. On a lanyard. I just, so. I've run two, and generally, I only blow one. I so. should tell people they need all seven. But yeah, you should. I for should, your standpoint, but, yes. Yeah. Well, that's like the guy who likes to fish. He's going to have multiple rods stacked up on the front end of his boat because... One, whether it's bait cast or whether it's spinning or whatever, it's that I don't want to stop to change lures. Yep. So, I mean, really, you could have four calls on there. And even if they're the exact same call, you could have different reads in yep. them. You could flip them over and get four totally different sounds. Yes, so you can. It's the same type of thing. If you don't want to switch, it's just like fishing. You're throwing one rod down, picking the next one up so you don't have to stop. Yeah. yeah. And currently, I have on my lanyard right now that's in my truck, I have three calls. Um, but I always have more in my blind bag and yep. some days I just run a smaller bore call. Yep. I just want to run that one. Um, we hunt where there's a lot depend. of lessers and a yeah. lot of biggies. They mix. Okay. So you have to have a lesser call and yeah. lessers. You just have to, they, they just, eat they just want it. high pitch <laughs> so much more than the bigger geese do. Uh, and then we also, there's a lot of specs where we've been hunting the last couple of years. So, uh-huh. yeah, and you might as well because they're fun might to Might as kill. well, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's fun to call. I'm trying to learn it, and it is, it's a blast. I am. It's addicting. I am not, I cannot just sit around and run a goose call. I run one just good enough to kill stuff. Uh-huh. Because uh, I just am not, I don't love the way they sound. But a spec <laughs> call, I can run all day. Yeah. I love calling specs. I bet your wife loves that, too. Well, she does because this is what pays our bills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. That is true. You can't go wrong yes. with that. You yeah. can't go wrong with that. So I'm thinking I've still got like two or three or four more questions, but we're running on an hour, so I think this is going to have to be a two-parter, So, um, which is no big deal. We stop for a second. Yeah. Get we, a drink uh, and facility. and. So uh, I would say – Guys, listeners, listening, we're gonna we're gonna split this up in the two. I know that sucks when we haven't done that to you yet. This since we've released this podcast, but I think the next podcast with Bobby Hayes and Ducklander, we're gonna be talking about um, maybe more on cadences. We're gonna kind of touch back on beginning and what we what people he what Bobby th- uh, sees people do that they shouldn't do and what they what's you know just pointing out stuff that no people might not know um, and what they're doing in the field. And maybe talking about correcting them and uh, and how to do it, and we might have some a uh, little bit more tips and tricks and stuff like that on this next podcast. So you have to wait another week to listen to that. Yes. So no worries, but uh, yeah, we'll be back and we're going to finish this up. We'll wrap it up next week.